we're coming up on Yom Kippur, uh, a very, very uh, beautiful and sacred time in the Jewish history, uh, Jewish timeline. And um, I wanted to address an essential question that should be addressed, and that is, can the righteous in the nations repent? Can they do tshuva? Micah 7, 18, a very familiar verse. Who is Hashem like you, forgiving iniquity and remitting transgressions? Who has not maintained His wrath forever against the remnant of His own people because He loves graciousness? With Yom Kippur approaching, Jews all around the world will prepare to fast on Yom Kippur. And it's a it's probably one of the most stringent fasts. It's a day that people wear all white and no leather, uh, no leather shoes. Um, it's a very somber day of tshuva and repentance. But the question is, is what about the righteous in the nations? Can they repent? On Yom Kippur, there is a story that is expressed, and some people just tend to forget it. And it's the story of Yonah, Jonah. You had mentioned it, Rabbi Wobi's class is on that. Now, I'm not going to get into all the Kabbalistic, uh, mysterious meanings behind it, which there are plenty of those. But I do want to say that we know the story of Jonah. Jonah is asked of a fantastic prophet. He's asked to go to Nineveh in modern-day Iraq, Iran, Iraq, yes. And he's told to go to Nineveh, and it's said that he was debating on whether he wanted to go or not and then caught a boat, but he wasn't going to Nineveh. there's, There's evidence that he was taking a boat to Gibraltar or somewhere up close to Spain. He was, like, going the opposite direction. Nineveh's that way, and he went the absolute opposite Now, the sages of blessed memory say the reason why that he wanted to go the opposite and not go to Nineveh, because if the the Ninevites, who were not Jews, if they do tshuva and repentance, then call Israel is going to have a big problem when they don't repent. Because if they don't repent, what in the world is that going to look like in the eyes of Hashem, where he shows favor to the nations and yet his own people will not repent. He absolutely rebelled against the idea. So he went on a boat and ended up getting caught in a nasty storm. Lesson number one that has nothing to do with tshuva, but don't think that you can run away from the purpose of God in your life. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. Uh, They debated and they ended up throwing Jonah overboard. He get consumed by a fish and there in the belly of the well or whatever he was in, he did his own tshuva, didn't he? And he asked Hashem, okay, give me a second chance, I'll do this. So he sped up on the bank and goes to the Gentiles, goes to Nineveh, and there he preaches. And it's interesting that after preaching, he went and sat up under a juniper tree, waiting for the stone and, and what do you call it, brimstone and ashes to fall on him, because he was hoping that he would get to see it firsthand. And what happened? He says the people... Dawn sackcloth and ashes and repented and wailed. It says even their animals fasted. Think about that. It was serious. And God 
withheld his judgment against Nineveh. And of course, the prophet saw that take place. So surely the nations can repent if Nineveh can repent. And I can go through and list a number of righteous non-Jews who came to prophets and God heard their prayers. One had leprosy. He was told to go dip in the, in the, uh, the Jordan. If you've ever seen the Jordan, it's nasty. Okay, it's muddy. It's not pleasant. Asked to go, and it, it almost, you know, in some way, it seemed like a, a joke. Here, this guy is a commander, like chief of staff for his for an opposing army, and he shows up, the prophet, and the prophet, he says, "Look, I, I need, I understand you can heal me from this." And he goes, "I ah, go dip seven times in the Jordan. It's the nastiest water." It's like, what is this a joke? Who, who do you think you're talking to? And it is interesting because seven times the significance of going seven times in the water. It appears that he spent enough time with the prophet to hear the message of the laws of the um, Sheva Mitzvot. And there, before he left, he even asked, well, what happens when I go home and my boss takes me into the temple where the idols are at and I have to bow because it's my job? He says, do what you got to do. He, but he had already learned the laws of idolatry, etc. So he had done tshuva. And I could go through a list of, of, of more people that had that ability. But there are two categories of sin that are generally repented over during Yom Kippur. All of us will need to examine this. And something important, now we're going to move from the mechanism of can the righteous non-Jew do tshuva, which obviously we say absolutely 100% they can do tshuva. There are two categories that are examined for tshuva. One is sins against God. And the other is sins against others. Let's first go to sins against God. What would be considered a sin against God? Can somebody just give me an idea? Yes, ma'am. Idolatry. Idolatry. One. Give me another one. Who to give me a second? Who? Blasphemy. Nope. That's against man. Blasphemy. What else? Failing to observe the Sabbath. You're so smart. What else? Huh? Yeah, yeah, same thing, blaspheme. So any of the laws that God says specifically don't do because it you, that you, you are doing it against God. The second category is others. Murder. What else? Covetousness. Say? Thievery. Thievery, to steal. I'm not that fancy. I'll just say stealing. Lashanara, yeah. Yeah, speaking evil against someone. Not honoring father and mother. So we go down to the whole list of things. As a matter of fact, did you know that the list for the second category is much longer than the list in the first category? Now, the sins against God can be forgiven through simple confession. Did you know that? All the sins against God. You say, Hashem, I'm so sorry. I, I won't do this. I want to change my way. And he forgives your sins. But the second category, sins against another, is not resolved through confession. Did you know that? You can't go to someone and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me for I did that, and you be absolved. That is still held against you until you pay back. 
you somehow rectify the situation. Now, either you work a deal with the person to say, look, I, I did this. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. What can I do to make it back to you? I mean, what would you suggest I do? One, one person might say, look, go back and tell all those people what you said about me and fix it. Right. Do some repair. Or how about you buy me lunch? <laughs> Whatever it may be. But you have to you have to rectify it or you've not changed anything. And in the eyes of Hashem, the worst, the worst uh, action that affects our relationship with the Creator is how we interact with another. You know, we can say, Hashem, forgive me and forgive all the wrong that I've done to others, but it's useless prayer if you hadn't rectified it. And my wife and I were talking about this the other day, that words are, the words that are spoken ab- about you Negative words people say, and most of the time we try to act like big people and say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. Words are painful, right? Very painful. You can't fix those things once you let them out. Now, I don't think anybody in this room has a problem saying evil things about people. That's not the issue. The issue is, is if you do something whether on purpose or by accident, that does hurt another human being, then there has to be immediate recognition. And to confess it means nothing to Hashem. Fixing it means everything. As a matter of fact, you don't have to confess that you were wrong as much as go back and fix the problem. Now, we all understand that when a person recognizes that they have sinned, they confess it, meaning they recognize it, okay? It's not like a confessional, you go into a booth. We're talking about recognize, like, I did this. I'm wrong. That's number one. Number two is, after saying it, commit to not doing it again. Like, this is something I don't want to repeat. And last, obviously, is when you have the opportunity to do it, you don't do it. That's what true repentance or tshuva is. Let me say it again. I'm so sorry I did these things, Hashem. I know I'm wrong. I recognize it. And I want to fix the problem. Now, this is about a sin against God. Okay? I know I want to do something about this, and I want to change my ways. Well, until you have the opportunity to sin, that same sin again, it's still on your books. Do you get it? Why is it still on the books? What would you think? Why would you think it would still be on the books? Yes, sir. You haven't shown that you won't do it again. You haven't shown you won't do it again. Does it, it's still on the books. So once you come up to that opportunity and you don't do it, it's taken off the list, move to the forgetful section, and we move on. Now, when it comes to sinning against another person, the challenge is this. You can say, I'm sorry, but you cannot keep doing it again. Let's say that I say something or do something to hurt my beloved wife. And I go to her and say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And a few weeks later, we're together somewhere, and I don't do it to her, but I say it to someone else. Have I really repented over that? No. And in her mind, she's thinking, well, when is this coming back to me again? Right? So the whole point is tshuva is not that complicated, and can be done very easy. But what I don't want us to think 
And we do this every night. Every night before we go to bed, most of us will say, Hashem, if I've done anything wrong, if I've offended someone, ba 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 ba, you go through and you ask God to forgive you and to uh, help your soul to be at rest. And that if He takes it in the night, that you would be worthy of merit uh, in the world to come. The problem is, is if you know you've hurt another individual, then it's time to make that list and go, okay, this is what I need to fix when I wake up. But just confessing that by your bedside does not mean that you have received uh, forgiveness for your trespasses. So that means that you have to actively work on fixing the trespass. Now, there is a remedy to uh, doing proper tshuva, whether it is to an individual or to God. Let's talk about the remedy. Number one, obviously, don't do it. Number two is study Torah. Now, why is the study of Torah so intricate, uh, such an intricate part of your forgiveness, your tshuva? Can someone give me an idea? Yes, ma'am. Very good. So, in studying Torah, you'll be less likely to do that or do something like that again. And I'm not sure who I had this conversation with, uh, but I know a number of you, we've talked about it in the past, that... When I began to study Torah and to really infuse myself with what it meant and examine it, things changed within my mind and my heart and certain things that I had the proclivity to do because of my negative nature, it, it's, it evaporated. I, I don't understand it. It's like it went away. And it's not because I, I ask God to take it away because our negative inclination or Yetzirah doesn't go away. It stays there. But Torah causes it to be subdued like an animal. And it takes a seat. And your Yetzirah becomes the greater thing. And as I express that, I would like people to understand the ultimate act of doing tshuva in this world is repentance. I, I mean, is study of Torah. Think about all the righteousness that we're bringing into our community by studying the Torah today. You guys had a Torah lesson at TVT today as well. Think about the level of righteousness that we're increasing, and most people have no clue that we're bringing this, this uh, level of righteousness to community. We've heard the concept that we create angels when we do negative things. We don't, I don't really know what that means, but we do know that we create some kind of negative force that influences you. Well, the opposite is the case as well. We create positive forces, angelic forces. We empower and the angelic beings that are assigned to this community that work for Hashem to bring about righteous things in our community. So if we want to fundamentally change the community, we fundamentally change ourselves. We're not out to try to change other people. We're not out to try to, uh, to somehow guilt you in to doing your tshuva. I need to do tshuva. Now, the, the last thing besides studying the Torah is giving charity or uh, supporting Torah. Or if your sin is to another individual, paying them back. Some people say, well, that sounds like bribery. It sure is. I don't know if anybody would still hate you if you paid them off. Right? 
Sarah, if I said something to hurt you, and I said, look, here, I'm so sorry. Here's $50. See? <laughs> oh, it can buy a lot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wouldn't offer the money. Most people, listen, most people would not offer money if the heart wasn't in it because it cost you. I'm going to tell you what. If we truly followed this principle in our life, we would do a lot less offending of other people because it would cost you. 